0: You're listening to Podgnosis, the pulse of the healthcare industry. I'm your host, Ayla Ellison. In this episode, we are taking a deep dive into the sustainability requirements of the healthcare sector. Experts gathered by the United Nations project that Earth is on track to surpass a critical threshold for global warming by the early 2030s. While they maintain that avoiding the most catastrophic consequences of climate change is still possible, accomplishing this will require a transition to renewable energy on a global scale. In the United States, where the healthcare sector produces a significantly larger carbon footprint than the aviation industry, hospitals are beginning to consider strategies to mitigate their impact on the climate. In today's episode, Estelle Manu, who leads the global building segment at Schneider Electric, joins Anastasia Gliatkoskaya in a conversation about the sustainability needs of the healthcare sector and the potential solutions to address them. Here they are.
1: I wanted to talk about Schneider Electric, just so our audience is a little more familiar with what it is that you do. And as I understand it, you have eight global sector teams, and they cover a wide range of areas from mining to energy to transportation. And one of these areas is commercial buildings, right? And As I understand it, healthcare is a big end consumer there in the commercial building segment. So I'm wondering if you can contextualize that a little bit. Why is healthcare such a big customer and what are the sorts of needs that the sector has? You're absolutely
2: right. At Schneider Electric, we operate across eight global sectors or eight global end markets, as we tend to call them as well, sometimes, or segments. Commercial building is one of the eight. It's one of the biggest as well. So I think it's fair to say that if you are in any commercial building of any type, you tend to find Schneider Electric solutions or products in there or sometimes even service contracts or that building has been built using one of our softwares. Within the commercial building practice, Healthcare, so hospitals, that's what we mean by that, is the largest end market, probably also because it's the end market within the commercial building space where Schneider Electric has been invested heavily for more than a decade. We have been present on that sector for a long time, linked mostly to the needs of that market. When you look at a healthcare campus, a hospital building, we generally tend to view it as a critical asset. It's almost like an infrastructure asset, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's an asset that's there to serve the needs of a constantly evolving population, whether the population is evolving in numbers or whether the population is evolving in terms of actual clinical needs and services that are required to be performed out of that infrastructure. And because that infrastructure is also built to last, hospitals, at least in Europe, we have some hospital campuses that have existed since the Middle Ages, Mm -hmm. and the current hospitals are still using the same sites, then you start to realize how critical it is that this infrastructure is built with longevity, adaptability, resilience in mind over time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the solution and systems and services and software products that Schneider Electric offers are very well tailored to provide that resilience, to provide that longevity to critical infrastructure.
1: That's fascinating. And as I understand it, you not only work with hospitals in Europe, but also in the US, right? And it's, I'm sure, interesting to see how maybe the needs are a little bit different as the US is, is of course, newer and its healthcare industry is certainly newer, but also sustainability at the end of the day, everybody is facing the same climate questions,
2: right? Absolutely. So when when we look at our healthcare or hospital practice altogether, it is a truly global market. And it's one of the few commercial building markets where we have such a deep global presence that's pretty much no country at Schneider Electric that doesn't serve this end market. Mm. The U.S. is actually the biggest share within that end market, but closely followed by China, Europe, and we see a very strong emergence of India and Middle East as well that are uh, catching up on the healthcare infrastructure. They have fast-growing populations. They're catching up on investments, whether that's brownfield or greenfield, so new build or renovation. Mm. And we see extremely strong growth across all of the regions that we operate in healthcare.
1: So you mentioned longevity, adaptability, resilience, and these are terms that I feel like are becoming more popularized in the climate conversation. This idea of either resistance, which is the ability to prevent or delay climate impacts and and certainly resilience, or being able to bounce back after uh, a climate event. And I understand that every entity might have their own definition or their own needs, depending on their unique situation, maybe their unique facilities or their geographic location. What are a few of the most common needs that you see among healthcare consumers in this segment?
2: So I think we need to go back to essentially the, I would say, the global trends that any healthcare operator is facing today. And it's interesting because actually we see a lot of I would say, major commonalities across the healthcare operators we work with, whether those are in the U.S., whether those are in India, in the U.K., in Sweden, in Australia, in China. So let me go back to at least some of the, I would say, five big observations we've made across our uh, group of uh, customers The first one is that all our customers are struggling with generally what we would call shortage of, of infrastructure resilience, or at least infrastructure modernization. What we see across the world is indeed the fact that there's very large CapEx programs that are now coming to the sector. Uh, Like I said, either because people are building to serve the needs of a growing population or because people are renovating uh, campuses that haven't had investment sometimes for decades. And what we observe today is that around 70% um, of healthcare facilities have a new construction project or infrastructure upgrade plan in the world within the next three years. That is enormous. So essentially we're saying more than two thirds of healthcare operators are looking at either greenfield or brownfield over the next next three years. That is significant. The second big trend that we observe across our customer groups is generally what we will call workforce challenges. The healthcare industry is facing a major shortfall in the next three years, in the next actually decades, We have had access to some statistics from the uh, World Health Organization, and they themselves estimate a shortfall of about 10 million health workers globally by 2030. That is significant. Yeah. And therefore, when you're a healthcare operator, you're looking at this really thinking, how can I change almost my business model so that... I can actually operate having this shortfall of workforce as my daily routine. Mm. The third issue or global trend that we see our customers grappling with is the fact that the patient expectations are actually evolving. We see in many places in the world, US included actually, some healthcare facilities really focusing on services and And in some geographies, it's interesting to see that the kind of services that you get in hospitals is no different than when you would get, than what you would get in a five star hotel. So we're seeing them being as focused on patient expectation as hotel operators would be on their guests satisfaction. Mm -hmm. The four global trend that we see is cost pressure. And I'm not ranking those trends by order of importance, actually. (laughs) In some regions, people would feel the, the pinch much more strongly on cost pressure. But same thing, what we see overall is our clients being immensely under pressure because their operating costs are going up. The cost of serving patients is going up. The cost of energy is going up in the context of increasing energy costs, this is really impacting their profitability. And last but not least, what we see for sure, and very much pushed as well by regulation, is an acceleration of the decarbonization agenda. So globally today, healthcare is probably around four and a half to 5% of global net CO2 emissions annually, which is actually quite a lot. Right. Um, And therefore, most of the governments today are pushing for quite a stringent decarbonization agenda of the sector. Uh, Just to give you one example, we work heavily with the NHS in the UK, which is the public hospital system, the national health system. And there's not a single project that is coming out of the NHS today that doesn't have to meet a certain decarbonization agenda, which is obviously being pushed heavily by the government. So with those five trends, eh, all our customers are experiencing them with various degrees. Obviously, some trends will be more pronounced in certain geographies versus others. But these are really global. And this is what's, what is making today healthcare fundamentally have to rethink how they operate. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so interesting. I I love that you included that stat about global emissions from healthcare. It's something that's always fascinated me, too, that I feel like flies under the radar. In the U.S., healthcare accounts for like 10% of our carbon emissions. And actually, this I found extremely interesting. The aviation industry accounts for only about 2% of U.S. carbon emissions. So there's quite a big contrast there. And like you said, we're seeing more and more initiatives, whether it's government-led or industry-led, to tackle the climate Footprint. So, when we think about these things that you just mentioned workforce shortages, cost pressures, decarbonization efforts how, like, seeing all these trends among the hospitals and your customers and the things that they're grappling with, how does that drive the offerings that Schneider is designing? And how does that drive the work that you do and how you're thinking about serving
2: these clients? Absolutely. Essentially, what we talk to our clients about is really helping them have a healthcare infrastructure which is ahead of its time. The major pain points, if we had to, to almost summarize it to one when we listen to all our customers, is that they're constantly feeling that they're running behind, that the assets they operate, that the assets that they build are already late to serve the needs of their patients by the time they come off the ground or by the time a renovation project is done. Mm -hmm. So what's really at stake in healthcare is to make sure that the healthcare industry, or at least we help our clients anticipate the needs, have an infrastructure that's ready to deliver, but also over time. So I go back to what we were talking about earlier, which is most of those facilities, campuses are there to stay. They're not going anywhere and they're constantly being either enlarged, upgraded, modernized, etc. cetera. But if you look at any one campus or site, it's been there forever and it will still be there in 50 years from now. Mm -hmm. And so what's at the core of what we can offer to our clients is really enabling them to have an infrastructure that's ahead of its time. So what does that mean? It means that the infrastructure is resilient, as in it's there to stand the test of time. It's there to have typically continuous power. It's there to never fail, if you will. The second item that this actually generates for us and what we talk to our clients about is that the infrastructure needs to be run extremely efficiently. And particularly around the maintenance of the infrastructure, it needs to be consuming less energy. It needs to know when it will have failures. It needs to be able to anticipate those failures so that the infrastructure is constantly delivering at maximum performance. Right. The third element for us is really to put the patient back into the mission of the hospital. So we call this having a hospital that is generally care centric. And a lot of the solutions that we can offer help deliver better care to patients simply because You will have better satisfaction surveys, typically from patients, because the temperature levels in their rooms were were at the right level, Mm. or because the noise levels were right, or because there was no failure in the systems. They had the nurse calls on times, they had all of the services that they needed. A lot of our infrastructure essentially runs in the background. Mm. It enables the room, the patient room, to be up and running with the right features and the right the. Yeah, the right services for the patient, it enables also the entire hospital to be running much more efficiently, and that has a direct effect on patient satisfaction. And last but not least, let's not forget about decarbonization, that's for sure. Our solutions contribute heavily to decarbonization. We have done actually some technical studies whereby we know today that if you take the combination of everything that Schneider can offer within a commercial building. So it's not necessarily yet tailored to healthcare, but if you look at a general commercial building, we know today that our offers can help tackle about two-thirds of the operational carbon emissions, as Mm. in the emissions that a hospital will generate annually just by the mere fact that it's up and running and operating.
1: And I'm curious in terms of those emissions, do you see hospitals more focused on like scope one, two or three? Does there seem to be more interest in one area than another in the
2: U.S.? Absolutely. I think for now, the major focus is still on scope one and two, much more than on scope three. I think scope three is also more difficult to tackle because then you have to touch quite a lot your suppliers and your you have essentially you have to go up into the supply chain to really be able to measure and therefore then ask for certain changes from your suppliers. And just having been involved myself in that work at Schneider on itself, uh, we know it's hard. Managing your scope three is really difficult when you already don't have a good grip on your scope one and two. Mm-hmm. Scope one and two is much more under your control. That's really your your direct emissions and it's directly correlated to how much energy you use, where does that energy come from, and therefore you can put that much more easily under control. These are generally budgets that you control. Mm -hmm. These are generally capex program, modernization programs that you control that you can get approved, whereas anything that is scope three requires much deeper involvement and analysis.
1: I do want to come back to this idea of decarbonization towards the end, but I did want to talk a bit more about something you mentioned about this increasing or this growing trend among uh, hospitals, this desire to digitize. You've mentioned when we first spoke that you're seeing a heightened interest in cyber attack protection and in securing like operational technology. There's, there's information technology, IT, and as I understand it, operational technology or OT is the backbone of all of that. And there's, I guess, maybe a discrepancy between OT systems and IT systems. And I'm just wondering if you could touch a bit more on this interesting niche tech need among hospitals and what it is they're trying to accomplish here.
2: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Cybersec is, I would say, the the new pain point that we've been hearing about from our clients probably over the last 18 months in healthcare, it has really picked up uh, as a pain point. Uh, CyberSec was always historically very much associated with the IT world. How cybersecure are your emails? How cybersecure secure are, to be fair as well, in a healthcare context, your patient data, the patient records Okay. All of that generally sits inside the IT systems of a hospital. Whereas what we're seeing now more and more is that because our healthcare customers are really putting much more sophisticated systems into the OT, essentially, the OT is the backbone of the building. It's what happens inside the building for the building to operate, which I would say that anybody walking through the building would not would not necessarily see. So it's all the systems that run, for example, the air conditioning and the airflow in a hospital, which is critical. It's all the systems that are running the power analysis and the backup power, which is equally critical. It's, it, a hospital cannot afford to have downtime on power. There's operating units, operating rooms. There's none of those systems can fail. And can afford not to have electricity. So what we're seeing more and more is that because the OT is getting more sophisticated and because the OT is relying more and more on a lot of digital systems, therefore the topic of cybersecurity is coming up. Also for the OT. So, and the OT CyberSec is a bit of a new space. It's been a bit more developed in some of the industrial end markets, Obviously, because when you have a lot of the manufacturing plants, or, or when you are a large utility company, of course, you've always cared about the cybersec of your OT. But when you're in, when you're a building operator, whether that's healthcare or a hotel, you've cared less. But that that is starting to change, and there's as much data being created out of the systems that are part of the OT as there is data that's always been part of the IT and therefore the same concerns around cybersec for the OT are emerging. And that's something that we are heavily involved uh, with our uh, healthcare clients with. Like I said, it's a a new space, uh, but we've invested heavily in being able to support our clients in that space, starting by ensuring that all of the systems we have that have connectivity features have those connectivity features done to the highest OT cybersec standards without even talking about doing able cybersec audits on our customers' infrastructure, which is a slightly different business model. That's
1: really interesting. It's definitely something that we've been covering a lot more, too, is like this rise of cyber attacks and hospitals scrambling to upgrade outdated systems. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And make a parallel with what's happening in the utility sector. I'll just share a personal example. A few weeks back, I think it was maybe a month or two ago, I received an email from my local utility telling me that there had been a cyber attack on their system and therefore that many of their customers' information had been shared And we didn't, we've never been used to receiving those kind of emails, especially from the utility providers. But that is becoming more and more the case. And therefore, suddenly that means that somebody who's hacked their system has access to information about where you live, how much energy you consume, probably for what type of usage, et cetera, et cetera, beyond just having access, let's say, to your billing information. All right. And so the same is happening. In a healthcare campus, our healthcare customers are increasingly worried about this kind of risk, and particularly also because for them, it deals a lot with, hey, are we sure that the systems can be up and running? How do we ensure that we don't have any failure of our critical systems? Similarly, cyber attacks have proved to be able to shut down entire systems. What happens if this is the case in the context of a hospital? You have have lives at stake. This is the fundamental responsibility of a healthcare operator. And so being able to ensure that this never happens is really starting to be top of the agenda for Mm -hmm. many of our customers.
1: Yeah, the stakes are just so high in healthcare. Before we wrap up, I wanted to come back to this idea of decarbonization, because I think the healthcare industry in the U.S. is still in the early stages of understanding and addressing its climate footprint. We don't really have a lot of government-mandated regulations in this space, yet the Joint Commission last year put out a proposal that they were going to make mandatory for hospitals seeking accreditation to have a, a plan to address their carbon footprint and got so much backlash from hospital administrators that they decided to make it a voluntary program for now. I'm just curious to hear from you. In the past, when we spoke, you said that there, you've actually seen more interest in a comprehensive sustainability strategy beyond decarbonization in other markets, like in emerging economies, a focus beyond decarbonization like waste management, patient experience. Why do you think that hasn't really materialized in the U.S. as much?
2: Hmm, that's an interesting question. Some hypothesis. Now, is that, is that the absolute truth? I don't know. But let me share with you my hypothesis around why that could be the case. I think generally on sustainability overall, what we've noticed is that sustainability is prime. And, and that has, that is not linked to purely the healthcare market. I say this more generally in the private sector. I think what we've noticed is that sustainability in Europe typically would be very driven by consumer sentiment, Mm -hmm. as in it's the right thing to do. And then regulation follows. And regulation is pretty stringent. In other parts of the world, I'll give you the example of China, sustainability is very much seen Mm -hmm. as that's something that the government can provide for as in it's taken care of by public institutions. Mm-hmm. In the US, we see sustainability as being much more still of a compliance topic, as in there's a sector will move and will start to embrace it fully if regulation is in place. Mm-hmm. I think there's probably still less of that Indeed, a voluntary way to to make it happen just because, so to speak, it's the right thing to do. I think that's more of a mindset that we might see in other geographies. Now, why that is the case, I don't know. But these are still general observations. And I was very involved as well in, in a lot of strategic work. We've done at group level. So here I'm stepping outside a bit of my current role, but I'm talking about the role I had before. Mm-hmm. And I've done a lot of work with uh, Schneider Electric around what does sustainability mean in different parts of the world? And what I'm sharing with you today actually comes from that work. So it was really interesting through 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 different interviews and getting a sense of the relationship of i would say individuals or institutions or companies to sustainability to see how different that was across different regions hmm. i think in the us at least uh, in in, um, in many of our end markets in the building industry what we have seen is exactly what you describe which is regulation is trying you've had certain cities that have been very, very much at the forefront of it. You look at New York, you look at what California has done, Boston, etc. So some you have some pockets of regulation that is starting to be more stringent and companies have had to follow, but it's generally been a bit harder. And even if you look at that kind of regulation, it's less advanced as the type of regulation that you would see in other parts of the world.
1: I think that's a really fascinating note to end on. Thank you so much, Estelle, for your time.
2: No problem. It's a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to Podnosis. I'm Ayla Ellison. You can find out more about this topic in our show notes at fiercehealthcare.com. Look for podcasts. And don't forget to tune in every Wednesday morning to Podgnosis, where healthcare is our beat.